Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquariums. Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Rossafari Zoo News, your look at everything going on in the worlds of zoos, aquariums, conservation, and general animal weirdness. Now, y'all, this is going to be the second time in a row that we have a shorter episode, um, because I am recording this one at the AAZV conference. Last week was AZA, and this is your friendly reminder that there are a poop ton of acronyms in the world of zoos and aquariums, and uh, it, it gets crazy sometimes. But yeah, so this is the AAZV, which is the American Association of Zoo Veterinarians. And coming here, I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, but it has been beyond magical. Uh, I've gotten to meet with so many cool people. I've gotten to talk to so many people for the podcast. Um, and I'm telling you that to A, tell you that this week's episode will be uh, on the shorter side uh, for Zoo News here. But also because on Tuesday, I am going to be releasing an AAZV conference recap, just like I did last week for AZA. And a lot of you told me that you really loved my AZA recap episode, that it was really cool and, and that you enjoyed it. But I also know that maybe doing two in a row might dissuade some people from listening. And I also know that there may be some of you that think, well, the AZA is very interesting to me, but the AAZV, less so, I'm not a vet. I don't come here for the medical stuff. Fair point. If, if that is you. But I promise you, you are going to love this episode. We have a returning guest, uh, Dr. Meredith Persky from Jacksonville, who I know a bunch of you loved my episode with her uh, from back in season three. And she is as magical as she was the last time. We are also going to be talking to some other people that you have not heard yet, but that you're going to want to know. I promise you, because I've already recorded a lot of this at this point, that um, it is a really cool, really unique look at what goes into and goes on at a conference like this. You're also going to get to hear about some really amazing experiences that are way outside the realm of what I expected and, and what I'm guessing you would have expected. So I'm telling you this to tell you, don't let this be one of the episodes that passes you by. Don't look at Tuesday's episode and think, I'm not a vet, this isn't relevant. I want this to be like one of the most downloaded episodes ever because it is really stinking cool. So, all right, I've said enough about that. I'm sure you'll be here Tuesday, but now you're here Friday for Zoo News. And uh, we're going to keep it short. We're going to keep it sweet, but we do have some pretty big topics to get to. So uh, let's do that, shall we? All right. 
right. So we're going to start off with our normal way of starting off, which is with some births. Um, so uh, just a couple of ones for this week that are very important to me. But first and foremost, I'm excited to tell you that Longleat in the UK has announced the birth of twin red panda cubs. That's right. Two new red pandlets have entered the world at Longleat, and they are adorable, y'all. Also, the Los Angeles Zoo has announced the first successful birth of a southern Tamandua in the history of the zoo. Now, the parents are named Micah and Lou, and uh, the baby is absolutely adorable, doing, you know, tiny anteatery things, and uh, just, yeah, it's really exciting. The LA Zoo, having never had a baby Tamandua before, is ecstatic and um, just always cool to see. And the Lehigh Valley Zoo has had a baby alpaca. Now, you know I want to call it an alpaclet, and I'm right, that's the best name, but we do like to educate on this podcast, so I wanted to let you know that that is known as a CRIA. A CRIA, C-R-I-A, is what a baby alpaca is actually known as, which again just proves how dumb that is and why they should be called alpaclets, right? I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with this. This is actually also the first time that, in this case, an alpaca has ever been born at the Lehigh Valley Zoo. So congrats to Longley and the LA Zoo and the Lehigh Valley Zoo for all of your new little lets that are running around. As far as deaths this week, we're taking a week off from deaths. Uh, there weren't too many things that I saw, and like I said, short episode. So uh, let's just celebrate the fact that we don't have to sit here and be super sad this week. Yay. And that brings us to our normal Zoo News stuff. So, first of all, uh, as you all know, I was at the AZA conference last week, and the AZA conference, um, while there, they announced the uh the new zoos that have been accredited and uh a lot of these are just reaccreditations i'm not going to go through the list but there were 22 facilities that earned their um updated you know once every 5 years accreditation uh this year and um that includes our friends at the Cape May County Zoo and um at Roger Williams Park Zoo so you know a couple couple friends of the pod the Toronto Zoo always excited to see that but as often happens, um, because the uh, standards are so rigorous, uh, there were a few facilities that did not get their applications for accreditation approved. And in this case, that is the Riverside Discovery Center in Nebraska. I've been there. It's it's a, a very interesting, very cool facility. It's kind of this small aquarium um, in the middle of a larger center uh of of other stuff but they do have like a rescued sea turtle which is amazing to see at um just kind of a museum with a small aquarium um i was very disappointed to see that they did not get their reaccreditation and then uh the bergen county zoo did not get reaccreditation and i was i was surprised to see that we've had them on the pod so um you know, I'm not entirely sure what happened, uh, but they do have 30 days to appeal their denial. Uh, 
So that is that is the situation there. One thing that I didn't talk about on the AZA episode that I wanted to mention was that um, one of the things that I went to was all about accreditation and what it means and what it looks like and how you apply and how you have to work to get this full packet in and then what happens with the people when they show up to do the accreditation hearings. And I really learned a lot. It was really fascinating. But along with that, uh, the, the biggest thing that I took away from it is the fact that the word is not accreditation, but is in fact accreditation. Now, if you've ever written it, you know that. But um, the, the, it was just one of those funny things that, of course, I caught and mentioned on the podcast. Every time they said the word, and y'all, they said the word a lot. Every single time they hit that T so hard. It was never the accreditation. It was the accreditation every single time. I think I was the only one who was laughing at it, but I was laughing at it enough for all of us. And then uh, speaking of the AZA conference, we have one other news story from there, which is that the uh, AZA every year gives out a bunch of awards at their conference. And we had some friends of the pod win some pretty cool awards. So I wanted to go through those for y'all. Uh, you can find the full list uh, at aza.org. But to give you an idea of some of the awards that were given out for accredited facilities. The Education Award top honors went to our friends at Beardsley Zoo for their RISE program, which is just amazing. Top honors for the Exhibit Award went to our friends at the San Diego Zoo for their Wildlife Explorers Base Camp. Now, you may remember that uh, Nikki Boyd was on the podcast to talk about Wildlife Explorers Base Camp, and I got to help promote it before it came out. That's extra special to me now, because not only did Nikki go up and get that award, but they also won the Marketing Award for Top Honors for this exhibit. This is the second year in a row that Ross Safari has been part of the top marketing award at the AZA conference. And look, I'm not flexing, y'all. Uh, it is a very small part of that top award. They do a lot of amazing stuff to promote these facilities. But at Akron last year and at the San Diego Zoo this year, we got to go out and learn about newly opened exhibits that they were promoting and then it went on to win top honors. So I'm just saying, if you work at a zoo that is opening a new exhibit next year and you want to have a shot at your top honors, maybe reach out to me and and get me in there because uh, apparently I help. <laughs> I know I'm a goober. Going along with that, the Nashville Zoo won the Best Facility Award for their HCA Healthcare Veterinary Center, which older fans will remember learning about in my episodes with Melinda Kamavangza way back when the podcast first started. Um, I also just spent time there at the AAZV conference. Their head vet, Heather, is an amazing human and an amazing vet. And um, I'm, I'm really proud of the whole team there. It's really, really cool to see that they won that. And then the research award went to our friends at the Cincinnati Zoo for the critical role of science in achieving success with Sumatran rhinoceros propagation. The best part of this is that it was picked up by our buddy Paul Reinhardt. He got to go up on stage and be the adorable Paul Reinhardt that he is. 
And when I talked to him afterwards and congratulated him on this victory, he made it a point to tell me that it was a full team effort and that, um, you know, he had very little to do with it. And of course, all of his team is the reason they won, which is the most Paul Reinhardt thing to do. But yeah, congrats to all of the friends of the pod that won these huge awards at the AZA conference. I'm wildly proud of all of them. Moving on from conference news, uh, there were a couple of things that were announced in the media this week that I thought were worth mentioning. First of all, at the San Antonio Zoo, uh, there was some controversy, but don't worry, everything's okay. Local media there mistakenly said that the San Antonio Zoo was cited by the USDA for improper care of animals regarding the death of a porcupine. This was absolutely false, and it was actually an unaccredited zoo in the area that was cited for this, not the San Antonio Zoo. They had actually just had a visitation by the USDA and had no issues. So um, if you heard anything about that, just wanted to get it out into the world that that was not, in fact, the San Antonio Zoo. And then the other kind of eh, controversial thing that came up was you'll all remember that the uh, the Columbus Zoo had some issues a while ago, right? Well, uh, they announced that the Ohio Attorney General has concluded the investigation into that situation, and the grand jury has indicted the former staff at the zoo who were causing all the problems. Uh, it is actually very likely that at least one former staff member, and maybe multiple, will end up in prison over the deceptive practices that not only stole money from the zoo and inappropriately used uh, zoo resources there. In total, there were over 80 felony counts that went to these naughty, naughty boys. Just bad people. We know this. Now, I want to take a moment here, though, and I need to say this. I can't stress this enough. It is important to remember the following. The zoo was transparent from the start. They self-reported all of this. They did not try to hide it. They lost AZA accreditation for a year over the problem, but while they lost accreditation, they did receive exemplary scores in all other aspects of the accreditation report, including staff and animal welfare. Accreditation was earned again this year, and the relationship is great. The zoo hosted the AZA conference. It's all is well. It really sucks that some bad people did bad people things at the Columbus Zoo. Uh, but they are now being taken care of. The zoo has moved on. They have new rules for transparency. They have new leadership, and I could not be prouder of the Columbus Zoo. I love them so very much. Now, let's talk about a facility that I don't love, okay? The Miami Seaquarium is where Toki lived. And where there is still a dolphin that needs to be relocated and there's all kinds of drama going on about that, right? Well, the Miami Seaquarium has now lost IMATA accreditation over that situation. IMATA is the International Marine Animal Trainers Association. And uh, they're, they're a big name in uh, marine animal training. There's been some controversy about this online because the um, Sequarium actually leases its space from the city of Miami. Uh, 
And one of the rules of the lease is that they have to stay accredited by certain organizations. And there has been some debate about whether or not IMATA is one of those on social media and stuff. However, IMATA doesn't actually um, accredit facilities per se, but they accredit the staff there and the leadership there, which is a subtle distinction. But the way the lease is written, I do not believe, I could be wrong, but I do not believe that this is actually going to have an impact on their lease and like get Sequarium shut down or anything like that. So for those who are hoping that's what's going to happen, keep hoping. I am not a legal expert. Um, I'm a drummer. It's kind of different. But I have done some looking into this, and I do believe that they are not going to lose their lease over this, but it is considered a really big deal in the community that they lost IMATA accreditation. This next story is really cool. I like this a lot. So, Lincoln Park Zoo in Chicago has announced a free monthly program called Memory Enrichment. This is a new program for people living with dementia and those living with and caring for those people. The idea is to help these guests connect with wildlife and build community in a private space on zoo grounds that has views of the animals, where the people in question can feel that they are in a safe and welcome space. And a lot of AZA zoos have been moving towards more accessibility. We've talked a lot about um, places that are taking steps for, for people with autism and other needs like that. But this is the first time I've heard of anything to deal with dementia. And it's just a pilot program. There's no testing to say whether this is working or not yet. But I'm really proud of the zoo for trying this. Go Lincoln Park Zoo. That's really cool. And I definitely think that if it is something that shows some success, you're going to see it carry on at other zoos because, well, frankly, that's kind of how the whole industry works. Okay, so I usually uh, group my uh, news from the same zoos together, but the Columbus Zoo thing needed to be right at the top, and this one doesn't, but it's still pretty cool. So uh, the polar bear that uh, you may know at the Columbus Zoo, the female who's been there a long time. She's named Aurora. She is gorgeous. And for a while now, she's been living on exhibit full-time with her partner, Lee, uh, a male who moved there recently for breeding purposes. Well, uh, moving forward, Aurora will be visible rarely, if at all, and will no longer be on exhibit with Lee. And the reason why is she has started showing denning behaviors. That means she may be pregnant. So bears are weird and they kind of den whether they are pregnant or not in some cases. Um, and so, yeah, this doesn't mean that she is pregnant, but it means that she might be pregnant. She could be pregnant. There is reason to cross all of our fingers and toes and hope for a polar bear cub at the Columbus Zoo. And um, speaking of hopeful breeding, uh, a couple of zoos in Colorado have decided to become matchmakers, or should I say matchies makers? That's because Tristan, a male matchies tree kangaroo that lived at Cheyenne Mountain Zoo, 
recently moved to Denver for a breeding wreck. And uh, I'm really excited about that because the world needs more Matchy's tree kangaroos. And, like, all tree kangaroos. Um, one thing that I really liked about this story, other than the fact that I get to talk about tree kangaroos, is that because Cheyenne Mountain Zoo and Denver are really close, they didn't have to, like, do anything special to transport Tristan. He was awake and alert and looking around in his carrier as they drove from one place to the other. And, uh, he just had a really nice trip and is now getting to meet his, hopefully, mother of his child, maybe? Come on, guys, you can do it. I have faith in you. So, yeah, just very cool news. And uh, if the Denver Zoo ends up with a tree kangaroo, Joey, I'm probably going to end up at the Denver Zoo. The Toronto Zoo recently announced a really cool thing called the Mila Memorial Fund. Now, I talked about this on the podcast before. Uh, this is a memorial fund to the tiger cub that they had a few years ago, who then went off to another zoo and unfortunately has passed away at a very young age. And um, Mila was really popular. I know I told you all I went and made sure I saw her while she was still a cub. And uh, the, the people in Toronto have responded with a lot of love. And um, they, the zoo set up the Mila Memorial Fund um, to help you know, save the species. And a lot of people have made donations. But the Toronto Zoo recently announced that they have received an anonymous donation of $10,000 as a match, meaning that the next $10,000 that get donated to the fund will be matched by this one anonymous donor. I love hearing about, you know, stuff like that where people just have money and, like, don't even want credit. They just throw it at the zoo. Ten thousand dollars but if that's not enough brookfield zoo also received an anonymous donation recently and if you thought that ten thousand dollars was pretty good y'all brookfield just received a 40 million dollar donation from an anonymous donor 40 million dollars first of all whoever this person is i need y'all to get them listening to this podcast, okay? They could at least be a Red Panda-level patron. I'm just saying. But um, the money is earmarked specifically for uh, fixing up and, and building onto their great ape exhibit, uh, but also is going to go to additional new habitats that are already in the zoo's master plan over the next couple of years. I can't even imagine what, what a $40 million donation can accomplish at an amazing place like Brookfield Zoo. That's, oh, I am, I am so excited about that story. On the zoo conservation side of things, the Brevard Zoo has announced that the second season of Florida Grasshopper Sparrow breeding was very successful. And even though they only have four breeding pairs, there were 65 birds born with most having already been released back into the wild. Some of the ones that hatched are still too young and have some growing to do, but the plan is to release them all, and that is 65 new birds of a wildly critically endangered population. So congrats to Brevard Zoo for their continued success with this amazing program. 
The Cincinnati Zoo has announced a new Komodo dragon. Now, you may remember that a little while ago, Hudo passed away, who was this beloved Komodo dragon at the zoo. Just one of the most popular animals there once you get past the whole Fiona Rico Lucille thing. Um, Hudo was so loved by staff, too. So this new one, named Aegon, has some seriously big shoes to fill. And editor's note, Komodo dragons do not wear shoes. It's, it's, it's you know, just using the phrase. But, um, yeah, it's, it's really exciting. Uh, it, it, it has felt empty walking past the Komodo habitat at, uh, the Cincinnati Zoo, but now it is thriving again with Aegon. Monarch butterfly tagging season is underway, and our friends at Beardsley Zoo want to remind you about that. There are a lot of zoos, including, obviously, Beardsley, where uh, they do this, this tagging thing where they literally put these like little stickers on the butterflies and track the migration. And the monarch migration has changed a lot in the last couple of years, so understanding what's happening is essential for conserving this species. So if you are interested in doing some citizen science, you can do so by finding a zoo like Beardsley that is helping with this very important um, process. All right, we've got just a few more here in Zoo News. The Oakland Zoo has announced that their beloved elephant, Donna, has moved to the Elephant Sanctuary. Donna had been partnered with Lisa for many years, and they were best friends, but as we announced on here a few months ago, Lisa did pass away. And the Oakland Zoo was trying to figure out what the best thing to do for Donna was. And these things take time. It's hard. And, um, you know, there were a lot of people who were complaining because elephants are obviously social animals. And even though they do have a bull elephant there, um, Donna and the male are not able to live in the same space, but they were still able to interact through elephant protected uh, contact, which is pretty cool actually. Um, and keepers also really upped the amount of time and energy that they gave to Donna to make sure that she was well taken care of. But in the end, it was decided that the best thing to do was to move her to the elephant sanctuary, where she will be moving in with some other older elephant ladies to live out her retirement. The move was a success, and uh, people at the Elephant Sanctuary and at the Oakland Zoo are incredibly excited about the future of this lovely old lady. Roger Williams Park Zoo has announced a new serval named Velma. Uh, and Velma came to the zoo in interesting circumstances. So um, there was an emergency relocation of over 75 felines from a private breeder in California. So when Roger Williams Park Zoo was approached about taking one of those cats, uh, they said yes, because serfals were slated to come to the zoo in the future as part of their master plan, but definitely not now. And because of that, they are asking for help to get Velma situated properly. So you can go to at RWP Zoo or to their website, and you can become a part of Velma's village by making a donation to help them quickly build a proper habitat for Velma and take care of her. And also, I just really like the term Velma's village. That's it's very cute. And then, all right, so we've got, we've got one bad and one good coming, okay? So we're going to do the bad first. 
I'm gonna gotta get it out and rip the bandaid off. Um, as y'all know, one of the most effective tools used by anti-captivity people in the last bunch of years uh, is films, is, you know, documentaries that are not accurate and that um, either use false information or edited interviews or uh, anthropomorphism to a bad level to make people turn against zoos. Welp, later this fall, there is a new documentary that's going to be debuting called Harambe. And it claims to have pictures and videos uh, that have never been seen by the general public before of Harambe. Uh, obviously, we're talking about the gorilla that lived at the Cincinnati Zoo and a child fell in. And um, unfortunately, uh, Harambe ended up being shot because they were worried that Harambe would kill the child. I've looked into this film a little bit. I, I don't like these things. Um, and it seems to be taking the tact that, um, Harambe was just trying to return the child and was brutally murdered. This is absolutely not true. The team at Cincinnati absolutely did what they thought was the best thing to do. It broke their hearts. I'm not looking forward to this film. Um, I would ask that you not support it, um, you know, of, of all the zoos, Cincinnati is, is one of the top. They're amazing. I love them. They do incredible work. You've heard hours of content from amazing people at that zoo. And I can promise you, whatever BS propaganda this film is throwing out there, it's, it's not going to be accurate. I can just guarantee you that the Cincinnati Zoo did not partner with the filmmaker, y'all. So, um, yeah, it's coming. I wanted to warn you. It's going to get very loud for a minute, as always happens with these stupid films. And then hopefully it goes away. But I have the feeling that this is just blackfish for gorillas. And I don't want to leave zoo news on that note. So it's not big news. But it's exciting news. The San Diego Zoo has announced the name of their new pandlet. You'll keep in mind, this is the cub of Adira from Toronto, who you learned about on this podcast, and Lucas from Cincinnati, who you learned about on this podcast, two of the cutest pandas in the entire world. And their cub is named Pavitra. Uh, I don't know if anyone else is doing this, but I'm definitely saying Pavi when I talk about this goober. And uh, Pavitra is as adorable as you would expect. Uh, there's all kinds of ways that you can see Pavitra on social media at San Diego Zoo. And um, it's it's honestly one of the cutest panda faces I have seen. The thing that stands out to me, I'm going to go super nerdy panda person for a moment is that oftentimes with younger pandas, it seems that the fulgens are the ones that have the really close together eyes. If you think about it, think about the Greensboro cubs that I've been posting, right? Miso is a fulgens. And Miso has those really cute together eyes, which I think is a big part of why we all love Miso so much. We love Zuko and Azula too, but Miso is kind of stealing hearts everywhere, right? Well, in this case, Pavi is uh, the other type of panda, a Styons panda, or Styani, say it both ways. And, um, but the eyes are together, so it's the darker red color that you usually see in Styanis, but with the 
cute close together eyes. And with with the parentage, there's no question that this is going to be a gorgeous panda. So go check out that thing on social media and enjoy Sing Pavi. And don't go check out the other thing I just talked about. But first, go check out conservation news. Stereotypical animal podcast theme song. Here to bring it to conservation news. All right, y'all. So I'm really trying to keep this quick this week. So just a couple of things for you here. First of all, there is a new tarantula species that has been found in Thailand, and it is electric blue mixed with black. It honestly looks like a robot spider. It is one of the coolest things I have ever seen. Um, people are comparing the color to like the color of a spark. It's really beautiful, and I highly recommend you check it out if you're not, you know, terrified of seeing pictures of tarantulas. The International Elephant Foundation has removed nearly 12 tons of leg-holding traps and wild snares in Africa. 12 tons. This saves countless elephants and also lions and buffalo and other small species as well. It's absolutely astonishing. 12 tons. That's how bad poaching has gotten in areas of Africa. I am so amazed by these conservation organizations constantly out there doing the thing. And then last but not least in conservation news, something that I found really fascinating is that Australia is considering either completely banning cats from going outside or at the very least giving them a curfew. And obviously when I say cats, I'm talking about pet cats. I'm talking about domestic cats. We've known for a long time that outdoors cats cause huge havoc to the ecosystem, right? They are basically an invasive species. They are a predator that should not be out there. And they will try to kill all kinds of animals. It's fun for them. Cats are evil. We know that. Okay, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But the fact of the matter is that cats do cat things. And if you let them outside, they're going to wreak havoc. And it's gotten so bad in Australia. And conservation is such a focus of the Australian government that they're actually considering a cat curfew or banning cats going outside entirely. It's the first time I've ever heard of a legislative body looking at doing something like that. And I give them all the props. I think that is just really cool. So uh, yeah, hopefully that works out and maybe some other places will pick up on it. It's time for other news. It's time for other news. Hey, no, right now, right now it's time. It's time for other news. Hey, it's a segue to the podcast. So I like to talk about uh, F around and find out moments, and uh, especially when they pertain to like anti-captivity people. And look, this is not quite anti-cap, but um, same idea. Uh, a person in Pennsylvania decided to go to a mink farm and set all of the mink free. They, they cut into the fence and then opened all of the cages. Right now, it is estimated that between seven and 8,000 thousand mink are running around in Pennsylvania because of this action. Okay. And look, I get it. I do not like the idea of fur farms. I don't like the idea of fur. It's really problematic. We, we know this. 
But instead of handling this in a proper way, they just set these mink free. And most of them, uh, it's very unlikely that they have survival skills. So now instead of being turned into like coats, they're mostly going to die in the wild. However, beyond that, this huge introduction of this animal into a concentrated area, if they do manage to survive, can absolutely wreak havoc on the ecosystem that they were introduced into. So not only are most of the mink still going to die, but countless other animals are going to die. And there can be all kinds of issues with the whole life balance thing that nature creates, you know? So like, I get it. I really do get it. I, I probably could sit down and talk to this person and agree with everything they have to say about fur and fur farms and mink being turned into coats and all that gross stuff. But at the end of the day, this action didn't really save many, if any, of the mink and is just causing all kinds of trouble in a rural Pennsylvania community and in a natural ecosystem. Um, so yeah. If you're going to do something stupid, don't. That's, that's that's my great advice for the day. I think I was going somewhere else with that, but I'm tired. But yeah, if you're going to do something stupid, don't. You can quote me on that one, y'all. And then uh, for, for other news, the other stuff that I have to tell you is all about bears having fun, right? So that's cool. Uh, we actually talked last week, I believe, about a bear that was getting drunk. This three-legged bear that was getting sloshed on... Uh, White Claws? Yeah, White Claws. Yeah, well, uh, two other bear stories for you this week. First of all, a bear got free in Disney World. Now, I'm not talking a captive bear. I'm just saying that a bear got into Disney World, and part of the park had to close down because of it. This is astonishing to me. Uh, they were able to capture the bear, and no one was hurt. I'm convinced that it was just there um, auditioning for uh, Country Bear Jamboree. But um, yeah, there you have it, folks. Bears like to go to Disney just like we do. And, um, you know, for the bears that like to do things that we do, but maybe don't have enough money to go to Disney, bears raided a Krispy Kreme donut van after the driver left the door open. They ate a ton of food in the van, and uh, people were banging on the van trying to scare them away. Uh, these are bears who should frighten pretty easily, but apparently not when donuts are available. So, um, yeah, bears are having all kinds of fun lately, and, like, while it's not great and, you know, human-animal conflict is always a thing, I'm also kind of here for it. Not, not gonna lie. I'm kind of here for it. Animal, animal, animal holidays. All right, and that brings us to your animal holidays for the week and a friendly reminder that it is still September. And so that means that it is Save a Tiger Month and Save the Koala Month, which, just as a friendly reminder, you cannot save a koala by putting it in with a tiger. So anyway, moving on to our individual days. Uh, if you're listening this on Friday when it drops, it is September 22nd. And that is World Rhino Day. Uh, 
The 23rd is International Rabbit Day and is also my mother's birthday, so happy birthday, Mom. The 24th is the National Bluebird of Happiness Day. Look, man, I don't make them up. I don't know. And it's also World Cassowary Day and World Gorilla Day and World River Day. It also launches Sea Otter Awareness Week, which runs from the 24th to the 30th. The 25th is National Lobster Day, and the 26th is Black-Footed Ferret Day. And those are your animal holidays for the week. All right, so there you have it, folks. Our very own episode of Rasafari Zoo News recorded at the AAZV conference. I would like to say thank you to my patrons, especially my Red Panda level patrons, Dr. Laura Shank and Dr. Stephen Williamson. I'd also like to thank everyone who contributed a story this week. And again, As a reminder, a lot of you may have not heard your stories that you've sent me uh, in the last two weeks because I've cut things short, but I am saving them because I got to tell y'all, I've had more contributors this week than ever before. So thank you so much to Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, Kim Cooley, Carrie Kirkpatrick, Kevin Williams, Dr. Laura Shank, Liz Dunlevy, Ken Tryon, Jay Meredith, Dylan Hoy, Crystal Chapman, Sabo, Andrew King, Danica Wolf, Emily Rockbuck, Mark Hansen, Kristen Khalil, Nora Beardsley, Amanda Berg, Sam Stock, Ali Malensky, Emily Pochet, Ren Howell, Karen Musklau, Jacob Zinn, Barbara Bennett, Marianne Rossi, Taylor Gray, and a new contributor who um, has a very familiar last name, Kay Malensky, who I'm assuming is related to Ali in some way. Or maybe not. Maybe there are just two families that like three-letter first names and the same last name. But I doubt that. So thank you so much to everyone who contributed to this week's episode. And uh, like I said, back here on Tuesday with a recap of the AAZV conference. You are not going to want to miss it. We have incredible, incredible guests. And uh, last but not least, I need to give you the reminder that uh, the words Newsy Credits Backwards are Steiderk Yeswen. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Rossi. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.